The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Tonight on the program, I answer your questions about love, sex, and relationships. So if you've got something to share with me, uh, you uh, have something you want to talk out, then I'm happy to hear it out. 514-800 to text in. You can call in at 514-790-0800. And of course, you can always email me, which a lot of people have chosen to use as the avenue to reach me, is uh, Lori at Dr. Lori. Dot com. So I do have a bunch, and I apologize yesterday. I left the pile of emails uh, on my desk at home and just uh, wasn't, just didn't have them, so couldn't get to your questions. So I apologize ahead of time. Uh, so here's one for you. Uh, I'm over 70 and still have strong sexual desires. My physical responses don't come close to matching my mental desires. The used to be almost instant directions and 20 minutes until ejaculation are a thing of the past. It's more like half to three quarters of an erection that uh, goes on and off. Uh, and then nearly completely limp after 45 minutes or so. Then the only way to orgasm is to receive oral sex that, that may take as long as an hour. Your poor partner. Of course, this completely exhausts my partner. Or satisfy her first, which I always do, and go until I'm completely exhausted and never climaxed. I haven't vaginally climaxed in over uh, a year. How do I wake up those those once had physical capacities. Well, you're over 70 and what is happening to you? Guess what? As much as you're going to hate to hear this is totally normal for a man in his 70s. Um, again, you, ha- you have half to three quarters of an erection. Generally with three quarters of an erection, you could uh, penetrate uh, but maybe that that doesn't help you. I, I'm not sure. But just to you know, m- most men in their 70s have exactly what you just described: half to three quarters of an erection. When they compare the erection they had 20 years prior, uh, when uh, it would stand up at attention and would be instant, right? So as you get older, you no longer have those instant, spontaneous erections. Now you need direct stimulation in order. Uh, to get it there. So staying healthy, uh, which uh, is, is important, right? losing weight, maintaining your physical activity, eating right, all the things you need to do to maintain longevity uh, is really important and a step in the right direction, which should help improve your energy, make you feel better, uh, and, and all of that. And it does carry through into uh, the bedroom. But that's not, it doesn't mean that... Um, you're at over 70 and, and it happens simply because you're out of shape or anything like that. It can happen to men who are in perfect shape as well. So uh, that that's part of it. So what you may want to do is um, change the way you look at sex a little bit. So, okay, first, first things first, you can try medication to increase the blood flow 
to your penis. I think that's important. So you can ask your doctor to see if you're a candidate for medication to increase blood flow to the penis. You can use a penis pump, uh, which also uh, draws blood so that you get a firmer erection. So it's, it's draw, drawing more blood into uh, into the penis. The other thing is focus on foreplay uh, and stop. Like there's a time I'm sure in your life where if you had sex, the, uh, the conclusion was the orgasm and that's when you knew it was over. But as you get older, you have less of a need to ejaculate. So you may have experiences where sexual experiences where there, you won't, your partner will, uh, cause women don't have that same, um, that doesn't affect them in the same way. So your partner will have their orgasm, but you may just go until you just don't want to go anymore. And, and that's okay too. Like you've got to know that all of this is within the range of normal. Um, but there's certain things that you, you can certainly try to get that full on, uh, full on erection, but we have to adjust our expectations as we get older. I cover a lot of this stuff in my book, uh, the sex Bible for people over 50. And I, uh, talk about all different, uh, different avenues that people can explore, but I do talk about redefining sex because oftentimes we hear sex, we think intercourse and that's really not uh, that's not the only way to look at it. So, all right. Another question. Can a man 21 years old whose penis is 3.9 inches to 4.3 inches get married and satisfy his partner sexually? Doesn't he need penis enlargement treatments or surgery? Is his penis too small? So that it's within the normal range, by the way, like your average worldwide is around five inches erect. So I'm not even sure if you're measuring it erect, not erect. I don't know. Um, but generally that wouldn't be considered a particularly, uh, small uh, penis and nor does it have anything to do with getting married or satisfying your partner. There are no penis enlargement treatments. There are people who will try to sell you pills and potions and exercise programs and all kinds of things that you find on the internet. But guess what? It's all fraud and they're all just trying to get your money and it's basically snake oil. So, uh, none of this, uh, none of this works. And then if there are surgeons who do any kind of enlargement surgeries, you're talking about thousands upon thousands of dollars which could result in a deformed looking penis to boot. So, um, there's really no, there's no way to go about this. There's just no way. Uh, unfortunately, I know a lot of men seek out this kind of, uh, of treatment or, or wanting to do something to enlarge their organ, but it, there's nothing actually, um, that works. Now, remember you're, you're talking about getting uh, satisfying your partner, but most women do not orgasm through intercourse alone. They need your hands and your mouth and all these things that don't matter how big they are to tell you the truth. So it isn't about the uh, thrusting. It isn't about the intercourse that provides the most sexual stimulation for women, but rather, uh, the clitoral stimulation, which is, 
um, outside the vagina, most that you can feel and see, and there's an internal structure as well. But um, most women need that clitoral, direct clitoral stimulation, touching of the, the clitoris, which you feel on the outside with the fingers, the tongue, or a vibrator or anything of the sort. Uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have intercourse, but you have to, because that makes you feel intimate and close and, and what have you, but it isn't the way uh, to satisfy um, a partner. So there's lots more lots more that you can do. And sometimes it's just getting informed about different ways of, of, uh, being sexual, that it's not all about intercourse. I think a lot of people just assume sex is intercourse and that's just not the, uh, the reality. Coming up, talking about, uh, answering a question about diabetes and erectile, uh, functioning that's uh, coming up next. in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Trouble Tuesdays tonight. Uh, it's the uh, one night out of the week. I spend the whole hour answering your questions. So please get them in at 514-800. You can also email me anytime to lori at drlori.com or call in at 514-790-0800. One texter wants to give a little bit of uh, his two cents. For the guy with the the small penis, if the partner prefers a bigger size, he could just get a hollow dildo and strap it on. They are meant for men with ED and could also spice things up for smaller members. That's very true. There are these cylinders. uh, They're basically strap-on dildos, and you insert your penis into it. Uh, and they come in different sizes, and uh, the only the only difference there is that the person wearing it doesn't really uh, doesn't feel the sensations, as far as I know. Unless if somebody has used it, you can tell me uh, a little bit more. All right, let me answer this question: Are men seventy seven years old still capable of having erections and intercourse, even when they are diabetic and have epilepsy? Uh, that's a, a good question. Uh, so first of all, diabetes is a major risk factor for erectile dysfunction. And, and so is epilepsy and, um, and the medications taken for epilepsy. And especially if the diabetes has been going on for um, a long time. So you may want to talk to your doctor about some option. Some diabetic men who still want to maintain an active sex life have actually gone for um, the implant surgery where they have uh, rods basically implanted into the, 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 the cavities in the penis on both sides, uh, which they can either pump up or it stays rigid and you can like push down the penis or push it, bring it up when, when you need it. And a lot of men who ha- have used that option Albeit it's rarely uh, rarely picked as the one option, but it is the one that men feel the most satisfied with their sexuality. So um, it's you're going to you're going to see that with diabetes over the long term, it will affect most likely your erectile functioning. Plus, you're 77 years old, so. 
at the best of times, even when men are healthy, there's still a, a pretty big portion of men who don't get, can't get a full enough erection uh, for penetration. But those men may also be candidates for the um, the ED, tr- ED drugs. Uh, this texter writes, uh, just want to say I really appreciate your show. A lot of the issues you cover and your thoughts on them confirm what I'm thinking myself quite often. Keep up the good work. Thank you. That's, uh, that means a lot that you take the time to just write me a nice note. 514-800 to, uh, to text in if you have a question, any kind, any question about sex, about your relationship. So I got this through email. I came to know you uh, or about you through uh, the YouTube video of TEDx Talks in Montreal. So just so if you don't know or not aware, if you go to YouTube and you just Google my name, Dr. Lori Petito, and you do TEDx, I did do two TED Talks that are all out there um, that you could watch, one on female pleasure, another one on uh, sex in long-term relationships. So that might be helpful to you. But anyway, let me just go on with this. Um, mine is uh, love and marriage, which will be going on five years now. My issue is I don't allow my husband to let go inside my vagina. The moment that part is touched, I get anxious and contract my lower body. I get scared to allow his penis to get inside. I have shown it to a gynecologist and a psychologist, but nothing worked for us. The only thing I uh, leave with is that I have vaginismus. The opening is too tight and small, which makes me fear the act. I'm not interested in masturbating, and I don't allow my husband or the doctor, for that matter, to do the vaginal exam. Now that we want to have babies, I'm very much worried about this. The frequency of our trying to have sex has eventually gone down to having it once a month. We're both losing interest in the act. Please guide and help me out of this situation. So this is actually rather common, at least in my office, that I will see women with vaginismus. There's something in here that you say that kind of raises a bit of an, uh, like a clue in my head. You say the opening is too tight and small, which makes me fear the act. So you're thinking that your opening is too tight and small. Yes. in it's in its, in the state it's in non aroused state. It might feel tight. Remember that the vagina expands a baby comes out of there. Like it is quite elastic. So if you were in my office, for example, I have models of uh, vaginas in my office made out of uh, uh, like rubber or whatever that stretch. Like I'm able to show how it stretches and bounces back and, and what have you. Sometimes it's just not having adequate information or uh, erroneous information that then makes us fear uh, whatever will happen, right? So this is how uh, vaginisms can develop. It doesn't mean that somebody's been, um, had sexual abuse or any kind of sexual trauma, but there's another kind of trauma, and that is the misinformation kind, meaning that your thinking is, or somebody told you, or, uh, you know, sometimes it's messages that we get, that somehow this is so small that, oh my goodness, you cannot put a penis in there, it's going to kill me. Or it's going to be so painful. And so you 
you train yourself to shut it all out. Like you, you just clamp down and eventually you develop this, uh, uh, instant reaction to any form of penetration or anytime anyone goes near the open opening, it's like a, 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 what do I call it? Like, um, instinctive reaction, right? It's like, like in protection mode right away. So it's quite common. Now it's also, uh, very fixable, just want to say, but it requires time work, dedication, patience, uh, on your part and on your partner's part. And the first thing I would do besides working with a sex therapist who can help, uh, give you, uh, some of the, uh, psychosexual education that you need would be also to work with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. A pelvic floor physiotherapist will go in there with you, but not right away. We'll take their time. You will gain control of your pelvic floor. You'll know how it works. And over time with a series of, uh, dilator insertions that get, you know, go from tiny, tiny to bigger and bigger up to the point where you can uh, receive a penis. They work with you on an ongoing basis to teach you how to relax that muscle and how to get comfortable with, insertion. Uh, and it's something you should absolutely be considering. So that along with sex therapy is probably the best, um, the best outcome for you that has the most, um, the most success. All right. I've been having huge issues my whole life with intimacy and being able to express my sexuality. I'm 23 and still a virgin and it's messing with my head severely. I feel like it plays a lot into everything else in my life and is preventing me from even attempting to have fulfilling experiences. I wish to better understand how to proceed and how to better myself in order to live a life I can feel proud of. You're 23. I just want to put that in perspective a little bit. I know for you, it feels like old, but it is not. And you've, you say you've been having huge issues your whole life with intimacy, but you haven't been a sexual, like expressing that sexuality your whole life. That's the thing. Unless you've had early, early trauma, uh, that's a question that I would want to know is, uh, it, did that happen in your life? So just being 23 and still a virgin there's nothing wrong with still being a virgin at 23. Uh, I think that maybe peer pressure or what you're hearing around is having some kind of an impact on you that is making you doubt yourself or as you say, messing with your head severely. I just want to know why it's messing with your head. Where is that coming from? So one way that's, that's something, by the way, just sorry, that, that, that is an issue that you should be, if you can talk to a professional, a psychologist, sex therapist about, so you could work through, um, your anxieties around that. But having said that to begin a healthy sexuality for yourself, start by exploring yourself. You own your body. It's your body. Figure out what you like. Make yourself feel good. It's going to be very difficult to let someone else in there when you don't know how your own body works. So start by exploring yourself. 
through masturbation, see what, what it is that feels good. Use your fingers, use your hands, use a, a vibrator if you want to, but get to know your body. That is definitely the first step in a, in a healthy sexuality. And don't worry so much about still being a virgin of 23. You're not alone. Trust me when I tell you, uh, you are not alone. Coming up, we're going to talk, uh, or I'll answer a question about a foot fetish. Again, the most common uh, fetish around. We get questions about this quite regularly. Uh, I'll address this. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. It's 514-800. So here's a question. Is it looked at as strange to have an obsession with women's feet? When I'm out in public in the summer, I find myself looking at women's feet. I feel so badly, I, I so badly want to compliment her on them, but not come off as creepy. I just plain out to have a full foot, foot obsession since high school. What are your thoughts? So uh, foot fetish, I don't know where the origin is. Like oftentimes, you know, we, we try to look for the origins of these, these fetishes. We often can't come up with a conclusive answer to where it was formed or how a non-sexual object becomes so sexualized. But what I can tell you is that feet are one of the most common fetishes out there where you have uh, some men who have such a strong foot fetish that they absolutely need to incorporate feet into their sexuality Every time. So to get aroused, they need to be able to fondle, place, lick, kiss, whatever it is, uh, women's feet. Some prefer feet in a shoe, in a boot, or what have you. Uh, but this is rather common. Telling somebody, like, I can only imagine somebody coming up to me and saying, oh, you have lovely feet, and not, you know, that, like, that would be the, 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 the focus. It would like, to me, I would be like, oh, okay, this person's obsessed with feet. I don't know how other people would feel because I know this already. That is, you know, this would be my first uh, go-to. But what if somebody came up to you uh, and, and just complimented you on, uh, on your feet? How would you feel? I want to give this guy a little bit of... Uh, uh, feedback on that would would he appear creepy uh, or not I'm not sure what you're doing with your foot obsession like if you're not hurting anybody and if you find partners that are willing to um, indulge you in some way and and like it's not an issue. It's not like there's not anything. It's not about normal, abnormal or anything like that. It's just a question of finding a, a partner who can indulge in that fantasy with you or in that, uh, in that fetish with you. If you don't, like I've seen situations where, 
partners get upset by uh, their their partner's obsession with a particular body part, feeling like they're not the whole person, like, you know, so you just want my feet? Like, what about the rest of me kind of thing? Uh, so they may get a little bit uh, upset. But, uh, you know, you need to kind of understand it's all part of... Um, if your obsession leads you to do things that are illegal or um, that kind of crosses some lines, well, you know, that's a different thing. Like uh, I'm thinking of other fetishes like uh, a dirty underwear fetish. I remember meeting a gentleman who used to have – he'd steal them from women's homes. Uh, like that's an illegal move, right? And you can get caught for that and that's – puts you in a very dangerous situation. I knew another foot fetishist who um, would basically go into shoe stores and uh, pretend to be looking for shoes for his wife, and then he would have the salesperson try on uh, the shoes. He would, you know, be all looking at it and what have you, and then he'd go home and masturbate to that image. So, like, how far does it go? Does it interfere with your life? Because if it interferes with your life, then you might want to seek some help and, and try and figure out what. Because once it gets to the point of interference, it's serving another purpose. There's something else going on there. Uh, as a woman, this texter writes, I would indeed find it creepy for a male stranger to compliment me on my feet. So my advice to your texter is to simply admire them discreetly in silence instead. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's where I would go. Like, don't start going around telling people that you think their feet are hot or sexy or what have you. That may, for some people, may completely make them uncomfortable, and that's not what you want to do. Uh, Texter writes, uh, is it okay or safe to do oral stimulation on the clitoris and make her orgasm and then kiss her? Uh, absolutely. Um, you're talking about, okay, so hold on. Let me, let me backtrack here. Is this a regular partner or is this a casual partner? Because yes, you could get a sexually transmitted infection orally. So if your partner has, uh, HPV, herpes, um, there's bodily fluids there. So gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, any of those things, whatever you can catch on your genitals, you can catch orally as well. So unless you've both been tested and you have all that information, then you might want to use some kind of barrier method. I'm saying this, I'm, I'm rolling my own eyes. Why? Because I know many people are. Because nobody does this, it seems. Nobody uses barrier methods for uh, oral sex, but they should. They should because the rates of uh, throat cancers and infections in the throat are going high, are going up, and it's because of unprotected uh, oral sex. So... But if two people have been tested and there's uh, the infection is like the transmis transmittable rate is is low, then um, then there's no like making her orgasm, kissing her genitals, and then her mouth is fine. That's a personal preference. If she's okay with it and you're okay with it, then 
then uh, then it's all good. I need a very frank answer, please. Do you have a solution for premature ejaculation? Not theory, but uh, practical methods. I don't last more than two minutes. Uh, premature ejaculation, probably the most common sexual dysfunction in men, at least that I have seen over the years. It's quite common. Just as a general rule, most men orgasm between two and five minutes of intercourse, okay? Uh, you'd be considered, let's say, premature if you it was under 10 thrusts or under a minute, for example. So what can you do about, about this? So there's a few things you can try. First, you can try a numbing spray. So, which would numb out your penis a little bit so you could last longer. There's some on the market, one called Promescent. Promescent, you can find it on social media. I've seen their ads there. Um, another thing to do is to focus on sensations. A lot of people, a lot of men tend to want, tend to think that if they distract their minds, then they'll be able to prolong, but it actually has the reverse effect. So focus on the sensation so that you're aware of that moment of inevitability that you can slow yourself down. So you have to learn how to pace, like slow yourself down, resume, slow yourself down, resume. This requires practice. If after all of this, nothing works, then you can ask your doctor to prescribe a low-dose antidepressant. Uh, it's, it's used off-label for this, meaning that the side effect of this low-dose doesn't do anything for depression, but it does induce um, the side effects of delaying ejaculation. So that's something you can talk to uh, your, uh, your doctor about for sure. Coming up, an interesting uh, email about sex education and BDSM. That's uh, coming up. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. You still have a few minutes to let, get your questions into me at 514 800. Uh, this texter writes on the topic of the foot fetish. I dated a gay, uh, I dated a gay guy who had a foot fetish, but what struck me the most is he worshiped feet, especially after running a marathon. I told him point blank, not only could I not provide him that pleasure as the thought not only grossed me out, but that I could barely run 500 feet. <laughs> Ah, oh, thanks for that. All right, this is uh, via email, laurie at drlaurie.com. There is a topic I wish sexual education would cover, as it is real, and I believe it is vital to sexual health. That would be sexual fetishes like BDSM, ABDL, I think that's adult babies, uh, infantilizing, and more. I noticed how some kinks are heavily misunderstood, and it leads to instances similar to racism and homophobia. Some groups even encouraged witch hunts against anyone with a kink that really doesn't uh, meet the, it says the backlash, but I, I don't know. I am hoping that early education 
that younger people can see first before running into the kink face on and or hearing about it for the first time in a negative light could fix this potential problem of kink shaming. If you need a place to start, I can offer this. Any kink that does not involve minors and animals has consent in play, does not, uh, does no unwanted harm and does not break any reasonable laws should not raise any alarms. I also want to toss out that fetishes are like ice cream flavors outside of chocolate and vanilla. There are many flavors out there and different people like different ones. Shaming anybody who doesn't like anything that isn't related to chocolate or vanilla is flat out ridiculous. Speaking as a semi-closeted diaper lover, (laughs) I hope to see some efforts being made to lower the stigmatization of sexual fetishes. Well, you've just given uh, the the exact reason why we uh, focus on kink once a month. And what do we do? We focus on destigmatizing, on um, uh, debunking some of the myths and exploring that for people who maybe have only had chocolate and vanilla and have never tasted anything else, but are curious to know, "Mm, how would those things taste? I may not be interested, but it's good to know. So, uh, so thank you for that. And I, I just don't think that uh, it would be very difficult to incorporate this kind of thing in like early uh, sexual education, except to be able to, to, when we talk about diversity to older teenagers, when we talk about acceptance of diversity, that diversity comes in all, uh, it doesn't just come in or with the diversity of orientations or anything like that or identities, but also in, in terms of sexual preferences. Another question about small penises. Um, My penis is too small. Can I satisfy a woman or not? So same thing, same type of question. I don't know how big your penises are too small, but chances are it's probably normal. Uh, Very few men are really small, small, like really that small. And to tell you the truth, I'm going to say it again, you, uh, you can please a woman no matter what size you've got. I'm not saying that, uh, in terms of preference, yes, you have some women that will tell you that they prefer a much larger penis and others who don't care as long as you have, you're the whole package. Like you've got things going for you and they're attracted to you and, and you can do things with that penis uh, or your hands and your mouth and all of that. And really it comes down to misinformation about what satisfies women and, and why are men, um, and this like, why are men so fixated on size? Uh, and I really think it's because they believe that size is the key to women's sexual pleasure that a, a, a woman needs a really big one to uh, fill her up and drive her nuts. But that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm not saying that for some women uh, this is not a, a good feeling. That's not what I'm saying. But to think that this is the way, and maybe it's because men get all their pleasure from inserting their penises into women. It doesn't matter how big their penises are. Like they insert, they, it feels good for them. It provides a good pleasure for, for any man, you know, with a penis. Uh, 
for those who choose intercourse, of course. Um, and many women do enjoy feeling an erection inside of them, but for the most part, for the most part, women do not get most of their pleasure from vaginal intercourse. They get most of their pleasure from the stimulation of the clitoris by the hand, oral sex, sex toys, etc. And maybe we should blame porn for that because truly like it's, if this is what you're exposed to and this is what you see, then intercourse seems to be the be all and end all and make women, you know, swoon and, and, and scream out in ecstasy. And this is what you see. This is like an acted thing. Okay. But that isn't real women. And I know I'm going to have to repeat this many times over and God knows how many times I've said it, but it bears repeating. Um, we need to, you know, this, this kind of stuff, just, we need to understand this a whole lot better. And I'm glad to have the opportunity to, uh, to be able to talk about this, uh, about sexuality in, in this way every night here on passion. So thank you for, uh, letting me into your world and into your lives. Thank you for spending your precious time with me too, by the way. Uh, Brian Kalisar, our technical producer, thank you for a job well done, as always. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. That's where you can send me your emails as well. Just uh, tune in at the beginning of every show and uh, hear me answer some of your questions too. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Yeah.